the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today begins our journey through the, sing <coughs> the blessed season of Advent. <coughs> and we begin with a very profound prayer. The college prayer, that prayer that collects, gathers our thoughts and focuses us in this Mass, the Mass of the first Sunday of Advent. Here's our prayer. Almighty God, give us grace that we may cast away the works of darkness and put upon us the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life, in which thy Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility. And then the rest of the prayer, it's as if it's going to answer why. Why pray for grace to cast off works of darkness and put on our Lord's glorious light? We continue to pray that in the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the quick and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal through him. That is our prayer beginning Advent. And last week in the Sunday next before Advent, Deacon Ken did a wonderful job explaining the meaning of the word Advent that gives us this season when he said that Advent means coming of someone. The coming of someone. And he went even further to say it means the revelation of someone. Someone that comes and reveals himself to us. And he also did well to say you have to look at the whole life of Jesus, not just his birth and his coming. Everything that he did in his life and the way in which he lived was Advent. Was a coming of God to man. In order to reveal himself and free man from man's captivity to the sin nature. So what is the season of Advent for us? It's a season where Christ, through his church, gives us this gift of this season and the graces of God within this season to prepare the soil of our souls to receive all the more the greater coming and revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ in our lives and the life of his holy church. What is that preparation of souls? What is it like? I want to give you something from the Farming Society to help you understand what the preparation of souls is like, what we do in Advent. When farmers purchase new land to plant their crops, the first thing that they have to do is they have to take, and you see this great machinery of plows, and they go over that entire land and those plows dig in. And if you ever watch them, they dig in and they churn up the soil. They go down into the soil and you see what's underneath come up. All through the entire land they attend to plant their crops. The next thing after they till that soil is that they have to go and remove many things that were dug up, so to speak. That were churned up. They have to remove the debris. They have to remove the rocks. They have to remove the roots. And they have to remove the weeds. Why? So that when the seed of the crop is planted in the newly tilled soil, 
that that seed can not only take in that soil, but even further, that the seed can truly germinate. And by germinate, that means the seed in that tilled soil dies first, opens itself up, life springs forth, and now because the soil has been prepared, there is nothing obstructing the growth of the life of the seed that was planted. Even to the point where it digs its own roots deep. And then it begins to shoot out from the earth and makes visible the fruit of the seed that was planted. That's what a farmer has to do. God, through the prophet Hosea, in Hosea in chapter 10, he speaks this very language to his people when he has Hosea say to the people, Sow for yourselves righteousness, and you will reap mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Break up your fallow ground, it is time. To seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness upon you. And in Advent, our Lord knowing us so well, for he created us and knit us together in the womb of our mother. He has given us during Advent the blessed spiritual tools to break up our fallow ground. To churn it up and to remove the things that need to be thrown away from us. And we either trust that God knowing us so well. We either trust that he knows how to save us and so we follow him. Or we struggle towards such a faith. But we are given spiritual tools, spiritual disciplines. Whereby the grace of God and his ministry to us and within us. Accomplishes this breaking up of the follow ground. We are called to fast. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we lessen the amount that we eat. And we abstain from meat and the juices thereof. We're called during Advent to pick up the plow of more prayer. More diligent prayer. Making space for God to come into our lives. And by prayer, we all know we talk about this all the time here. More space for fellowship and communion with the living God. That we might experience him. And we are also called during Advent. To up our giving of alms. That we would act like God. And by acting become like God. Making provisions for those who have not. That they have what they need. Just as God has done for us. This is what we do in Advent. This is why we do it in following God. In his incredible wisdom. And love for us during this season. But I want to tell you something about this season. And I watch it year after year. And I don't know whether my eyes are just constantly being more and more open to it. Or if quite frankly things in our culture are constantly getting worse. I think it's probably both. But the liturgical calendar of the church has been given to us by God. To be the very rhythm of the Christian life. That as we as the body of Christ engage in God's direction. In all the celebrations and feasts and fasts and preparations. That is the rhythm of the Christian life that lends itself to the salvation of our souls. 
And I tell you today, I don't know that there is another season in the time of the regular calendar that all people go by that is so obviously opposed to what God wants to do than in the season of Advent. And for the culture of this world, that means from Thanksgiving to Christmas. So obviously opposed in so many ways. In our culture, it screams at us to totally place our focus on all things non-eternal. Where the culture of the church, the heart of God, is that we cast away those things and place our focus only upon the things that are eternal. Let me give you a few opposites that I see, and this is just a few, in our culture compared to the culture of the kingdom of God during Advent. The culture of this world wants to provoke us and entice us to fill every blessed second of our time with busyness during this season. You look at your calendars at home. You look at all the things that you have to attend. You look at all the things you have to do. All the things that you have to buy. All the things that and I could go on and on. I hear from everyone here, so many of you, and even in my own family, the dread of from this point to Christmas because of how blessed busy it is and how completely filled our time is, right? You don't identify with that at all, right? It's the truth. And what does God call us to in the season of Advent? He says, slow down. He says, make space for me that I might fill that space. That I can come and share myself with you in blessed fellowship. You see the opposite. What about virtues and vices? We are provoked during this season to so many, I should say enticed, to so many vices. The vices of greed. The vices of avarice. That, that avarice word, it means the passionate, lustful, chasing after material. Things that are not eternal. We set towards those things. That's what the world would have us do. Gluttony. All of those things are thrown at us between Thanksgiving and Christmas. But what is our Lord trying to do? He's trying to make us like Himself. Grant us, give us, develop within us His great virtues. Rather than greed and avarice, self-control. Self-control. Rather than the passionate pursuing of all things material, the finding of the peaceful contentment. Because God has given every one of us no less than what we need at all times. And Jesus tells us during Advent, pull back and give thanks. And find that contentment. And as to gluttony, that's why one of the reasons we fast. The season outside of the church wants to fill us with all kinds of sweets and goods and so on. Those things in and of themselves are not evil. We're talking gluttony, the overindulgence of those things. But what is God doing? He's saying, no, no, recognize you don't need all of that. You don't need all of the extra that you think you need. All you need is the bread of life, the Son of God. Are you getting a glimpse of the opposites? My goodness, friends, look at Black Friday, which, by the way, now begins at 6 p.m. on Thursday. <laughs> right? Droves and droves and multitudes of people. 
You can't find parking spaces anywhere, the stores and the shops. And they rush in so, I mean this, violently to pursue these little material things that they want or they want to get for someone even to the point of fisticuffs. I don't remember the last time I heard anything in the news from Thursday night and Black Friday without seeing people arrested for fighting over this stuff. So opposite the way of God. So opposite the kingdom of God. Rather, in the kingdom of God, he calls the multitudes just like when he was with us. Rather than rushing for the things non-eternal, what if the multitudes came to him, pursued him, with all of their hearts, with a godly passion to receive the king of all. I'm pretty convinced that Satan's deceptions and Satan's distractions are the most obvious between Thanksgiving and Christmas during our Advent than any other time of year. You didn't hear me say that we, don't have, that we have an absence of spiritual warfare during Lent and other times in our lives. I said the most obvious in our face time that you can see so clearly Satan's distractions and deceptions is during this time. Why? Because the last thing that Satan desires, including all the way back to the garden, is for man to be one with God and find life and find redemption and find wholeness and find contentment. In this season, we look for His coming. We look for His coming. In Advent, we, yeah, we prepare for the coming of Christ as Christ's child on Christmas. But that, quite frankly, gives us the framework of our focus because we are close to Christmas. We don't await His coming at Christmas. What do we await? His second coming. And we prepare our souls. In Advent, God, through His church, asks us to be sure to become like those virgins in the parable of the ten virgins that make sure they have oil in their lamp and it is on brightly at night. For we don't know when the bridegroom comes. So that when the bridegroom comes, those that had oil in their lamp, they met him. They heard his voice and were joined to him in that great eternal marriage and celebrated the wedding feast together. Listen once again to this prayer starting Advent. Almighty God, give us grace that we may cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light now in the time of this mortal life in which thy son Jesus Christ came to visit us in great humility that at the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the quick and the dead we may rise to the life immortal through Him. Our Lord asks us this question. How then will you live through the advent that I've given you? How then will you live? Let us break up our follow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness upon us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.